You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and if you cannot tell by my voice already, I am so, so excited for this episode, and I'm so, so excited to talk about all that's coming in the Broadway community these next couple weeks. I mean, we are literally a month away from Broadway reopening. Like, it seems like it's still not real. I don't know. I don't, it just feels like it, we've been talking about this forever and just to see that like now we're just getting closer and closer and closer and now the casts are coming out and all of these uh, uh, protocols and everything, like you can just literally smell it in the air. And if you're in New York, you know exactly what I mean by that. And New York is becoming more and more alive and it's just so wonderful to see. So I just cannot wait for everything that's happening and for this lovely episode with two incredible actors and songwriters and Ethan Slater, who played SpongeBob in SpongeBob the Musical, and of course, Nick Blameyer, who wrote and starred in two Broadway shows at once. Um, and then, of course, uh, it's just still mind-blowing. And, he st- and he also played Plankton in SpongeBob the Musical and the Out of Town tryout uh, for Broadway. And then, of course, he got busy and couldn't do it on Broadway. It's going to be a great episode, and I love talking about everything that's going on in their lives right now. They're currently collaborating on a specific project, and we definitely focus more on that than SpongeBob. But nonetheless, it's still an amazing, amazing episode. You'll learn so much. I know I did. It's literally a masterclass, and I literally told him that in the episode. It was wonderful, so stay tuned for a great episode. But first, we have to talk about all the news happening right now, right? Come on. Broadway theaters are mandating audiences to show proof of vaccination in order to come to the theater and will also require a mask while in the theaters. And this is for both the cast and audience members. So I was happy to see this. I figured something like this would happen. I was hoping they weren't going to get too lax too soon. And I do love the additional wearing a mask uh, while you're in the theater. This was per the Broadway uh, League and, of course, Actors' Equity Association. And there will be an exception for children 12 or under for the vaccine requirement. However, they must show up with a negative COVID test 72 hours prior or within that 72-hour window uh, of seeing the show. And uh, like I said, this is per AEA, and this is per the Broadway League as well. Um, So great stuff going on there. And the IATSE, which is like another uh, union in the community, it's for like stage managers and all of the 
carpenters and everything like that, the additional backstage members, uh, they're also requiring the same thing and teaming up and encouraging them to all get vaccinated. Um, they're doing the proper things, I think, that are necessary in order to have this. And now New York City is going to be the first city in the United States that actually is going to be requiring vaccines for uh, entering gyms and restaurants, etc. So it's no surprise that uh, the Broadway League came out with this and uh, are requiring that for theaters as well. And it's, uh, I think it's a really great thing. But that's a reminder, uh, I actually have the Take A Bow mask on sale on the Take A Bow website. Uh, it's about like a 30% discount from what I normally sell it at, I believe. And uh, so if you're going to go to the theater, support your favorite podcast, you know, you know how it is. Just be like, oh, I have my theater related mask of my favorite podcast. So go check it out at takeaboutpod.com. And speaking of Broadway reopening, huge, huge congratulations to the company and the creatives of Passover who made their Broadway debut uh, last night on Wednesday, August 4th. And they started previews last night. So they're not officially opened, but they have started performances. And uh, it's just another indication of how quickly and soon Broadway's coming back, which is all very exciting. And I cannot wait to go see this beautiful story and this beautiful piece of art in person because I saw it on Amazon Prime. And it was just incredible. And it's a story that needs to be told. And it's literally going to make you feel all of the emotions. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you do everything. And uh, just a huge congratulations to everyone involved. With former Take a Bow guest Cody Renard Richard stage managing it. And uh, very exciting for him to be making his return to Broadway as well as everyone else involved in the show. Uh, I, I can't wait to see it. And uh Passover. Go check it out. It's a limited run and you don't want to miss it. Just yesterday, uh, Wednesday, August 4th, Bridgerton's breakout songwriting duo, Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear, announced that they are going to be releasing a little concept album of the unofficial Bridgerton musical. Uh, And that's going to be coming out next month, September 10th. Uh, That's very exciting. It's consisting of 15 original songs, uh, and it's gonna, we're gonna see maybe some ideas for their musical or, or some of the songs that we saw last season, uh, maybe a little sneak peek of season two of Bridgerton. I don't know what we're gonna see, but it's all very exciting. And I guess they, they want to try and somehow make a musical out of the, the show. And, uh, now everyone's talking about that and, who knows, maybe that's one of the first ones that we see on Broadway who started out making a concept album. Uh, I haven't heard anything of like a reading or a workshop yet. So it seems like literally these concept albums are the new like start of Broadway shows. And uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, these shows that are doing these things still get an original cast recording because I know like Fun Home, they did like uh, an album right when they were in uh, the public when they were off Broadway and uh, they didn't do one for the Broadway cast so a little bit uh, the cast is a little different and they just didn't do a new uh, album because the songs are the same and it had some of the same people so I guess they just didn't bother with it because it obviously cost a lot of money and everything like that but uh who knows? I don't, I don't know what this means, but it's going to be interesting to watch and see how these uh, shows play out with these new tactics that they are trying out to get their shows to Broadway. So very exciting for Bridgerton and keep an eye out for that September 10th. You may be thinking, 
what was she talking about about all these like casts rolling out well folks we have some news okay moulin rouge found their new leading lady natalie mendoza will join the broadway company of moulin rouge as satine and she fun fact she was actually she starred in the uh movie moulin rouge and she was one of the dancers she starred as the china doll and the like featured can can dancer and whatnot so very exciting to for her to revisit this wonderful show of moulin rouge and the all the catchy songs that are in it and this just incredible production and and i mean i don't know about anyone else i don't know if you all saw this or the press pictures or whatnot it looks incredible. I mean, they did some photos with her and she looks amazing in the role, in the costume, on this in the set, everything. It just looks great. And of course, Aaron Tveit, Danny Burstein, they're all coming back. Uh, they announced their full cast. And I'm so happy because Fred Odgard, who was on this podcast, and Julius, my dear, dear friend from Finding Neverland, uh, they're both going to be in this show. And they've been dying to work together again since Finding Neverland. And I'm so happy they have the opportunity to do that now. And it just makes me even more excited to see this show that I hear is just electric every single night. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great one. And uh, I cannot wait to see this one. But if you want to see the whole cast, I'm not going to say all of the cast because there's a few that I want to mention. and It's just going to take up too much time. So we're going to go over to Hamilton. And it's great. It's great to see that all these shows bringing back some of the original people uh, of these shows when it originally opened on Broadway uh, or just some of the people that have been with it from the beginning and whatnot. Miguel Cervantes is going to be Alexander Hamilton. I may have butchered his name, but I, I'm so sorry in advance. But yes, you all know who I'm talking about, I'm sure. Uh, Manny Gonzalez is rejoining. Uh, James Monroe Eagleheart is going to be coming back. Um, Amber Ardolino, who did it in Chicago, is making her Broadway de- uh, not her Broadway debut in Hamilton, but she's making her first appearance in Hamilton on Broadway, who was in Moulin Rouge, and now she is no longer in Moulin Rouge. Um, but yes, it's it's great to see hear those names. Uh, Ewan Morton is going to be coming back as the king. Um, so just some of the people who weren't in it when the pandemic shut down, who were in it in the m- more beginning uh, more towards the beginning stages and everything are going to be uh, doing this beautiful show. Uh, and I, I'm very excited for that. And if we want to talk about doing it from like the very beginning, let's talk about Waitress because this cast got me so, so excited. Sarah Bareilles is obviously going to be playing Jenna. Drew Gelling is coming back to play Dr. Pomander. I have to say this one kind of surprised me because I was expecting like, you know how like Sarah Bareilles is doing this and she's going to be in a limited run, even though the show's a limited run, she's going to be even more limited. Uh, um, she, I was expecting her to do it with Jason Mraz because I just know they have a wonderful relationship. They did it before that they, they were comfortable together and all of that. And I was like preparing for that. But when I saw Drew Gelling, I got even more excited. So Drew Gelling, who was the original, original Dr. Palmer, is going to come back. Joe Tippett's going to be Earl. Eric Anderson is coming back as Cal. Charity Angel Dawson is coming back. She is not going to be in Mrs. Doubtfire, and she's coming back to Waitress. Caitlin Houlihan, who is originated the role of Don, is coming back. Christopher Fitzgerald, who originated the role of Ogie, is coming back. And Dakin Matthews is going to be Old Man Joe. So, and of course, they're bringing a lot of the ensemble back from when COVID did hit. It's great. I love to see all of these wonderful people 
back in the shows where they kind of got just like started it all out so it's very exciting for me and to root all my friends but also exciting for everyone else who didn't get the opportunity to see these shows and they will be seeing the shows with the people who made the show what it is you know uh and i just think there's there's an added excitement to all of that so Stay tuned for more. I'm sure as we get closer, as we continue to get closer, more casts will be announced. I, I was happy to see that some of these were already being announced because I know some of them don't come out. Like the first one to, to open, the first shows to open are like Town and whatnot. And they have yet to release their cast. So I was surprised to see which ones didn't and which ones did. Um, but that being said, it's all exciting, and uh, I'll keep you all updated if you may or may not have seen it. And uh, yeah, I, I like to be your little news anchor for 10 minutes every week. Okay, with that being said, let's talk about the Drama Dictionary Word of the Week. Okay, and this week's Word of the Week is going to be the green room okay and i'm i'm gonna say it's the green room because there's a lot of things going on right now and you may know the green room when i say the green room i don't know what you all think of but um there is a famous space in new york where it's called the green room 42 and that's kind of like a concert space where a lot of the broadway stars uh go and it's like uh it's like uh 54 below in a way it's another little space for that but this is not what I'm talking about. The green room in a Broadway theater is actually the like little hangout room. And it's like a room where it's no, it's a it's a dressing room, but it's no one's dressing room. It's just a communal dressing room. And that's where you can have that's where you celebrate birthdays and that's where you have little little parties and events and whatnot with your cast and every <laughs> I don't know. Uh, every Saturday, there's something called a snob. And I promise it's not what you think because it's not like bad people or anything or like obnoxious people. But it's Saturday night on Broadway. And every Saturday night, the adults in the show have like a little toast after the show for an incredible week. And they try to let loose because they only have one more show at the end of the week and not eight more to go. So they're kind of celebrating another week of success on Broadway and everything like that and celebrating just a great time. It's a Saturday night. It's time to party, you know? Um, but it's just like a little like celebration. The green room is just a hangout room where it's just a communal dressing room for the entire cast. And it's no one, it's not uh, obligated to anybody. That's where the physical therapy happens when they come to the show, when they come to the theaters and whatnot. Um, unless of course you have like a giant dressing room and can like fit your physical therapy in there. Um, that's a different story, but yeah, so that's what a green room is. And I mentioned it because you may thinking, you may be thinking of green room 42 and it's just, that's not what it is. But with everything coming back, I know Green Room 42 just opened back up. 54 Below are having some incredible shows. They're also doing like a, a Tony Awards event, like a watch party event at 54 Below. And you can also live stream in. Um, and of course, uh, Tavern on the Green has have been having a lot. I'm actually going to 54 Below tonight. 
to see last week's guest, Antonio Cipriano. So I hope to see you there if you're listening to this uh, episode before that. Um, it's going to be so much fun. And I, in the day that I'm actually recording this, I'm going to be seeing previous Take a Bow guest, Max Von Essen, at Tavern on the Green. So I have, I'm not actually going to the Green Room 42, but with all these concerts coming out and with all everyone trying to perform and get ready for show shape, I guess you can say, I figured this would be a great, a great uh, drama dictionary word of the week for this week. So with that being said, let's turn it over to the episode with the interview from none other than Ethan Slater and Nick Blameyer. Curtain up. This week, I am joined by two multi-award nominated performing artists, one who is most well-known for his work on the stage, Living in a Pineapple Under the Sea, and the other is known as the youngest person ever to be starring in a show on Broadway, while a show that he wrote was also on Broadway at the same time. It's insane. Uh, now, they are joining forces to write and star in Edge of the World. So everyone, welcome to Take a Bow, Ethan Slater and Nick Blame. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. These multi-person interviews are always fun and exciting with the whole virtual aspect of it all. Uh, So we're just going to get through it somehow, some way. And uh, people at home understand that we are living in COVID times, and it's okay. Um, But I like to start off my episodes asking my guests or whoever I'm talking to, uh, kind of what inspired them to get into entertaining others and how they began their journey. Hmm. Whoever wants to start, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can start. Um, when I was really little, I, I fell down two stairs and I started crying and everybody looked at me and then I noticed that everyone was looking at me. So I was like, oh, maybe if I make a lot of sound, I'll get a lot of attention. Uh, and then I never stopped. Um, oh my God. That's why I love Pratfall. That's that. That's actually, that is sort of a true story uh, because like it was this family lore that it was just like this whole, this like so sad, you know, but um, no, I think I was just, I've always like been a little bit performative. Um, I did a lot of like school plays and I did Mm -hmm. things within class um, and I always loved doing it. Um, But I think probably the, the, like the core of it was that my sister was really into the neighborhood theater. Um, Nick and I actually both grew up in a area pretty close to each other. Oh my god! We didn't know each other until we lived in New York, but um, you know. And so my my sister was really into neighborhood theater, and she was doing uh, the Wizard of Oz, and she played Dorothy, and she needed a Toto, and so at four years old, they recruited me to play Toto in the neighborhood production, and it was awesome. Like I, I just like I remember also because like you know it's just like all of the kids in the neighborhood sitting in someone's living room that to me was like palatial because you know it's just like I was such a little kid and then like I would get to go um you know rehearse with my sister and it was awesome oh that is awesome what about you Nick I I just want to I just want to say that I I imagine that Ethan was a dope Toto um yes and I think it might be thank you I I brought my all to it I really did yeah, I've always kind of wondered about Toto's story and, you know, maybe there's a like a Toto biopic, biomusical with the music of Toto the band that could be 
interpolated. Like, that would be amazing. You heard it here. It's first. actually a really dark prequel. Yes, it's, it's like coming the Joker. to Disney Plus. Yeah, it's like why aren't you writing it? We gotta go. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Come on. You know, really slow mo. Down in. Yeah, I see it. I really see it. Um, <laughs> clicking your heels. So, uh, I, as Ethan said, I grew up in DC uh, too. We grew up like ten minutes from each other, um, and uh, and I I remember I feel like the the bug for me was being in the audience. I remember seeing mm-hmm. um, a production of. Midsummer Night's Dream when I was at the Kennedy Center when I was like super young and and that in the fifth act which they don't always do the um, the performance for the where the um, where bottom and the and the players do the the show for the the uh, court the stage was this like just fire engine red and it was so stark and the performances were so alive and i just like wanted to be in the painting so bad mm. um and I, then i found out that you could be and um uh, you know the the process of of sort of like turning the camera around to face me was what i think um it still sort of uh like unnerves me honestly like i think something i like about writing is the feeling of being the one like creating the magic trick um, but that, but acting is, is so fulfilling and, and to get to be inside the painting and to get to kind of have that, uh, that first hand experience of being the one to, to like, you know, the, the feeling of when, when you play a magic trick on an audience and get to be the magician in the audience sort of, uh, reacts to it. Like that immediate response is really hard to give up. Right. Like the the fun has been realizing that like you don't kind of you don't have to give it up you can be an actor and a writer and that those are two different kind of uh uh collaborative parts of you um that can that can like scratch two different itches right so nick how do you like describe yourself like if people ask you like what do you do like do you say that you're an actor and a writer like what do you tell them honestly a friend my friend damon dono who i came up with who recently had like a, a great year on broadway he was in um oklahoma um but he and i both were you know like sort of uh wallowing in obscurity for some time and uh and he said really well he was like i'm just a person who does stuff yeah <laughs> there's something about it that I, I i actually think it's like deceptively dumb comment but like it is it is very easy to overclassify and to sort of feel like the person that I am as an actor is not the person that I am as a writer and that uh you know I, I I'm a teacher and I I'm a I'm a I, I like collaborating with people and I really like making believe and I like blurring the lines too because like I you know, Ethan and I both write pop music and have released some albums of, of that kind of stuff. And what I've realized is like, whatever I'm learning about being a pop writer is influencing my writing as a narrative writer and uh, is influencing my my performing. And I love new work and I love uh, theater as much as I love film. And so I've been doing a lot of screenwriting and that's been fascinating mm. too but they really are all in conversation. And so I would say like, I'm, I'm becoming less and less uh, like classified within myself as I get older, just like, it's like, uh, I, I'd like to be able to do them all forever. Yeah. 
you converse, you converse with people and you tell stories. You're a storyteller. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Appreciate you know, that. it's, cool. yeah. I mean, you do stuff, of course, you know, <laughs> that's also a very fair, very fair description. Um, Ethan, what was it for you that kind of like got you into writing? Were you kind of always someone who liked writing or did that kind of start recently? Yeah. I, I mean, I've been writing, um, for as long as I've been acting, I think really like, you know, I, I was always like writing little poems or, uh, I, you know, as soon as I started playing guitar when I was in, uh, you know, late elementary school, um, I was writing songs and, you know, then in high school, I started writing plays and, you know, short one act plays and things. So it's, it's, it's always been a, a big part of my identity as an artist also. And, um, you know, fortunately, the, the thing that has given me sort of a, a career in the arts is acting and I like and I love acting, but that was definitely like the first thing that I was able to do mm -hmm. where other people who were not like my classmates who are being forced to watch it were able to see it, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, but, but I think similarly, like the the like multi-hyphenate question is is something that's like constantly in there, like even writing out a bio. Mm -hmm. It's one of my least favorite activities to do. It's just like, <laughs> do you say like Ethan? Ethan is an actor, writer, musician. Um, <laughs> like you know, no, like brother, son. You know, like but like how many right. things do you like? Put, what order do you put it in? The order feels so important, right? Um, because you know, but it actually maybe isn't. Uh, and I think that that's the other thing is like how other people perceive you only sort of matters in terms of. Um, you know, getting work and getting paid to do work mm -hmm. like other people can, you know, will hire you for something. But as, as an artist, like getting to be on both sides of it and getting to not um, put those things in an order, but rather like be a different role when the opportunity comes up means, yeah. um, mm -hmm. means that in times when you're like waiting for somebody to give you an opportunity, you can create your own opportunities. Well, just because I, I think that, you know, there is something to be said for the way that like the theatrical um like industrial complex is built that like the thing that you meet first mm -hmm. is acting and it's the it's the gateway drug for so many of us but mm -hmm. it is in some ways you know uh like it's it doesn't need to be the end all of the conversation and i think that once you start seeing and i'm eli i'm sure you have a version of this right that like you've ended up becoming an interviewer not because like that was the thing that you began the conversation with but like right. that like it doesn't cancel out anything it just evolves it and you sort of realize like oh really i'm an empath and i'm like interested in people and i'm curious about things and i want to like represent them to other people and right i love what you're saying ethan about like the classification the order thing is so hard to wrestle out from under because in some ways it is most important how you define it when you're alone um, and, and then when you have this like marketing tool to use, you know, that's when it becomes like maybe more useful, but it is, it, it can be confusing. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. 
For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, yeah. It, it reminds me of a, of a question that I feel like um, is a really great question that you get a lot in interviews, which is like, what's your dream role? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I, I love that question. It's a super fun question because like, we're all consumers and we love doing these things. Like we love seeing other people do things. We want to take them on. It's what inspires us. But I feel like I always have the most cop out of an answer, which is like, my dream role is to develop something new with a writer who's like, right. an idea, you know, like, I, and, and it's, um, it's never the most satisfying answer. But I think that the fact that that's always what I think about points to the fact that like what I actually love about theater and what I love about filmmaking and I love about, you know, all of it is like the development of a story and like the, the way that as a writer, you are telling your story or you're helping a director tell their story. You're helping the actors tell their stories. As an actor, you're coming in and, and you're facilitating something else and, and you're giving your voice to it, but really it's all in service of um, finding someone's unique story and bringing the universality out in it. Um, or, you know, or it's like really diving into the specificity, but like, there's something really amazing about being able to come at it from both sides. Um, Right. Well, I want to stick, I want to stick with this topic here. Like, this is, this is great. Like we have two very successful actors, but we also have two very successful writers right here. So like, how do you feel like the, you guys and your writing and everything has helped you as actors tell stories of other people and everything like that. Totally. I mean, it is, it's, it's all related and, and it, it does make you more aware as an actor of how you fit into the machine of the story and how, Mm -hmm. what part and what weight you hold in it. And that was a, has been fascinating. I, I did a show called found at the Atlantic in the, in 2014. And I was the, like ostensible lead of that show. Like it was about this guy named Davey Rothbart who created found magazine, which is a a magazine that um, is made up of like found letters and stuff on the street. And the, the ensemble embodies those letters and Eli Bolin wrote some amazing songs that are hilarious. And and Hunter Bell wrote lyrics and Lee Overtree wrote the book with, with Hunter and directed it. And it was a beautiful show. Really, really funny. I was, I had to get over like week one that like I was the lead, but really I was the eyes. Like my job was mm-hmm. to go in there and do nothing as these, as like Danny Pudi and Andrew Call and Molly Pope. And um, I mean, some of the funniest people in New York play the <laughs> characters of these letters. And that was a really good sort of ego lesson for me about, you know, the, the reason that we're doing all this is not for the applause, but is for the like silent transference that happens in the theater of these stories to people that we, you know, strangers um, that like will hopefully change the way they look at the world. And like they, I mean, it certainly has been that way for me. I mean, I, I was talking about Midsummer Night's Dream, like seeing that 
absolutely changed the way that I looked at the world and everything that mm-hmm. I see on some way kind of does. Like you're inviting those people into your into your eyes and your ears. And that's a very kind of vulnerable thing to do. So, you know, when audiences don't like shows or, you know, when I don't like a show, I, I, I have to like acknowledge like that there's something there because I was opening myself up to love it, you know, and that right. it's a really tricky thing. So there's a responsibility that the writer has to create the whole world and then give it away to the actor. And that's an ego, you know, negotiation. And then as an actor to take the words and the music and to make it your own, but to understand that it is in service of an audience um, processing it, you know, that, that just, it relegates you to a piece of the puzzle as opposed to like, this is my moment, you know, and that's right. I think it was a good lesson. Totally. And I, and I will say that like the experience, the ego experience of being on multiple sides of the handoff, mm-hmm. I think makes it an easier handoff in my experience, like really? going in to work as an actor on something and having the writer be like, okay, I, I understand why you think that's what it's supposed to say, but this is what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Like, as like, you know, it's much easier as an actor having been in that position to be like, oh, okay, got it. Um, as opposed to like, well, here's what I think it is. You know, like there's mm. there's a real um, an ego check by being able to actually put yourself in the other chair, um, right? And maybe in a more positive mm. way, a more positive um, you know example of that is like, um, at, you know, a, as a writer when you're when you're writing something, being able to be like, okay, well, this role has fewer lines right but as an but as um, when an actor takes over it how do i make sure that it is like fully fleshed out and fully like a like a real true character not just from the writer perspective of like you know moving chess pieces or from the writer perspective of like you know everything else that goes into it but from the actor perspective of i'm gonna have to chew on this Mm -hmm. um so i think that there is like a, a a beneficial like understanding in those ego moments yeah well, let's talk about Edge of the World. I mean, so first of all, did you guys like, have you guys been sitting and writing this for like a while? Or has this been like a quarantine kind of thing you all picked up? Like, or a little bit of both? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, uh, it's like, this show is something that, um, you know, I've been sort of working on in slowly in various iterations for a number of years, maybe like four years at this point. Oh, wow. Um, but it really has hit a new stride when uh, Nick came on to help work on it together, you know, and like that collaboration has been so important to like actually finding what the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, so we were working on it, we've been, we've been um, thinking through it and working on it for a little bit. And then, you know, during quarantine, there was a moment of like, hey, this idea that we've been working through feels like really, maybe almost too um, isolationist for this moment of quarantine, like in a good way, like maybe we should work on it, maybe we should like, find a way to like, think about it and not make a piece that's like about pandemic or about quarantine, but use how we're feeling about that to like influence the story and all that and so we really dove in 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 this new way um and you know inspired by the constraints of we can't get in a rehearsal room we can't do traditional development we can't even 
you know, be in the same room just to bounce ideas off each other. We can't like have our own little writer's room. We have to be right. looking through a computer screen. So how do we develop a musical in that space? Yeah. Um, that's not just on a shared Google doc. Um, <laughs> and the more we got into it, the more we realized like, oh, th well, this show is really about the music and we've been developing for some time. And like, we know, we sort of know what the core of it is. Um, and so like, let's, let's use this as a way in. Right. Does that seem right, Nick? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I, I love it and appreciate it and agree. I mean, I, I feel like I started writing in high school and I, uh, as you so kindly said earlier, had like a really insane trial by fire, like coming out of college into this business and, and kind of having my first show like my my college musical like become this broadway show was both this like crazy honor and it was also a crazy wake-up call about just how difficult storytelling actually is and how like just because like you really want it to be good doesn't mean it just like becomes good and like mm -hmm. because like you have maybe a good idea or a couple good songs like are you landing the punch of you know the emotional machinery that is a show that is the rise and fall of a plot right. and how do you show, you know, what the characters are going through and not tell and all these lessons that, you know, I didn't go to college for and I didn't go to writing school and, and neither did Ethan. And so we've been learning them on the fly. And, and what was really exciting to me about coming on to this project was that Ethan had figured out so much of the stuff that really gets people to the theater like the world and the characters and the themes were all there. And then it was like, how do you use craft to put those themes forth in the most compelling way possible and the most economical way possible? And that's been stuff that I've really been studying since glory days, um, just over the last 10 years, just focusing on, you know, efficiency of storytelling and, um, and, and so to be able to come to this and be fresh eyes for Ethan on something that he's been so passionate about uh, and, but be that kind of like slightly separated, you know, voice of dissension in the room of like, yes, I love that song and I love that idea, but like, what is it accomplishing in terms mm. of the tumble forward that that was like a really fun way to push back and, and force you, Ethan, to like answer the question. And then often he'd have an amazing answer and I'm like, okay, well sold. But now we now we know, and there was so to walk into uh, to quarantine unexpectedly, of course, with that kind of uh, you know artistic goal in our brains became a really fun project, and I think a lot of people felt this. I mean, obviously, we're not the only people who were developing a musical during the pandemic, but I think one thing that we realized really quickly was, as Ethan said, the way that this resonated almost too closely with, with this mm. that we're in without talking about it directly. And, um, and that then this process of like, okay, well, you know, does this show even have a book? Like it's, it's very much about isolation and nature and getting out of society um, and the silence of the communion that, that humans have with nature. And then the, the, you know, the moment that you sort of, uh, impose your humanity on nature and and change it and like we're living in a world of climate change and like that is yeah you know the ultimate manifestation of that overreach and so to kind of back up and look at you know what happens when you take all of that away um became 
fascinating, like, what if we do that in silence between the songs? Which means that then the songs oh, become wow. more dramatic heft. And so to get to work on it as a concept album was this amazing uh, opportunity to litigate the drama of it while, you know, not relying on sort of like previously conceived, like linear ways of storytelling. Like, can you tell this in a song that feels like a pop song that isn't uh, playing by the rules of musical theater, you know, with capital M and a capital T, but mm -hmm. is, is still telling you a story and is getting you somewhere by the end of it. Like, can the album take you on a journey, even if you don't, even if you're not told what that journey is. Um, mm. And that has been an amazing experiment. And I'm so excited to see, you know, how people respond to that. Uh, that is so freaking cool. I love how you're able to deal with so many topics like climate change and like the whole like quarantine vibe but like without touching on it like that just is so intriguing to me cool. there's a lot of things really intriguing about this album by the way that you guys are all coming out the cast is uh, everything it's you two <laughs> lily cooper and norbert leo butts like that's like that's i'm obsessed how what was that what was that process like like uh when you were writing like were you like oh i hear this person like doing it and then you just kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, completely. But like, also I hear like, like I hear, I hear him doing it. I hear Lily doing it. Like, I hope they're down. Yeah, like, right. You know, we, hadn't talked to, we hadn't talked to them about it yet. We hadn't right. like, this is just like a sort of a, a dream thing. And almost like it, in some ways, um, it almost felt like a joke because it was too perfect. Right. Like, like I would, we would be singing something and be like, man, can you imagine Norbert singing this like that would be amazing and then you know he listened to the demos and was like yeah I'll sing this and we're like oh my god, oh my like, god. Yes. yeah that's um, amazing like truly it was just this this sort of like uh I don't know like a pinch me moment is really, uh, really incredible so yes like in this really weird way totally exactly who we'd hoped and pictured singing it that's amazing. It's a good lesson of just like asking, you know, because yeah. I do think sometimes we vault the like importance of the people who change our lives and and yet they are, you know, just like artists trying to make their way through and mm -hmm. they're searching for stuff that feels true and feels right for them. And Norbert, uh, I mean, it was, it was twofold. One, one was that his schedule just happened to work. He was in Vancouver shooting a show called Debris on NBC that was like a network TV show, disaster show. And he was like, you know, like, yes, I'm down for this, uh, but I like also miss singing and I'm like making, maybe going to make an album and I have all this time because I'm stuck in quarantine. So right. kind of like found right. a, a moment that was good um, or bad actually, um, depending and and also i think that he has he's able to articulate to us this feeling of you know i still really want to like wail you know i still mm -hmm. sing like uh hard songs and emotionally tricky songs and musically tricky songs and and we we have you know that's very much like what we wanted to make as well and so to feel like we were kind of helping him scratch an itch um was just like an amazing you know, uh, a pinch me moment. And same for Lily. I mean, Lily, we had this crazy moment where Lily plays an expectant mother in the show 
and she sings this song about just like trying to imagine what um, her life is going to be once this kid uh, shows up. And Mm -hmm. when she got into the booth to record it in her apartment, she unveiled the fact that she's pregnant. And it was just, Oh my God. You know, I mean, as two guys who are like absolutely not mothers and trying very much to, um, to honor the process of what we imagine that, that passage of emotional, um, time to be to, to get suddenly this like firsthand perspective from her to help kind of, um, you know, really look over the lyric and make sure we're being as authentic to that experience as we can suddenly like allowed, like a writer's voice in the room from her and then an interpreter's voice. And she just has this, you know, uh, this, it's effortless for her to take on the character, you know? And, and I think that's, that's something that like Martin Scorsese talks about that, you know, casting is you want like the coolest person for the part, maybe the fanciest person and the person who's going to market the show and whatever. But like, if they don't, intrinsically understand the character they're playing on some level, even if they're not totally that person, but if they get who that person is, then it's just going to fall flat. And we got so lucky in the, in the opposite, you know, to have two people who so get it. That's amazing. So you said that like she was recording in a studio in her apartment. Is that kind of how you guys all recorded this? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Sort of like, you know, shoving clothes around in the closet and setting yeah. up our mic. Um, totally. And then like, you know, stepping outside to like stand in front of the AC for a little while and then going back in. <laughs> right. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the Norbert, yeah, the I'm, Norbert sessions we did was he was in a studio and we were all okay. listening to him crying. I was sitting right here just like losing my mind as he from across the room is like nailing these songs in the first take and then is like, sorry, sorry, I know, I know, I'll fix it. <laughs> you know, no, no real like, rehearsals, like everybody's alone, just like emailing questions, you know. Oh, I mean, but like speaking of like, you know, the, the right um, actors who like resonate with the role, like, you know, those questions that Norbert was asking, you know, in between takes or before getting into the studio were like, ex- like, exactly coming from the right angle as an actor and like his his voice is i i'm i don't know what his experience of singing is but it seems effortless you know Mm -hmm. like when when you listen to him you're just like oh you are immediately easily without thinking about it communicating deep emotion through your voice like it's just awesome but he was also like coming at it with these incredible questions that were not just you know indicative of where we were coming from and reflective of it but like probing deeper into okay well so obviously you mean this thing but like what does that mean how how do i sing it and so like getting somebody it just goes back to that same question before about like um the the actor and the writer relationship right we got really lucky that i i guess not lucky we we were working with two of the best actors yeah. <laughs> singers in um in the world but um <laughs> you know it did feel like a really lucky experience to have somebody who's coming in with a baseline understanding, who's also asking all the right questions to um, not just make the best record possible, but like tell the best story. Right. Now, I mean, you guys have both been a part of original casts and also like, I guess the beginning stages of other productions and whatnot, but like, so, so how has those experiences 
helped you kind of start your own process? And I mean, you, Nick, of course, went through it with Glory Days. Um, but like just in those experiences that you've had, like how how um, helpful have those been and those experiences that you've learned to create this new new piece? Yeah, I mean, invaluable. Um, and a lot of the time it's like what not to do. Like mm-hmm. we've been involved in some really big honking shows and uh, I, I, I had an amazing time on SpongeBob and I couldn't do uh, the Broadway production because I got another job. Uh, but I love mm-hmm. developing that pro- project because I think it was especially good at, at sort of retaining its like transgressive spirit through the process of being a commercial show. But like that is just not always the case. And a lot of the time it becomes much more about ego and and the process of like, you know, the getting the sheet music right more than mm-hmm. the show right. And like trying mm. to you know, deal with the moving parts of like getting a set designed and, and trying to figure out a Broadway run and schedules and whatever, that stuff can subsume the artistic process. And so I think I've gravitated to smaller stuff for that reason, because I, I like the feeling of something that feels like manageable, Uh-oh. like that we could really pull <laughs> off an excellent version of this. And that when you need get, his Wi-Fi must you know, have cut out further, or something. Oh, <laughs> Oh, did he just leave? Me? No. No, 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 not you. You're good. (laughs) There There we go. No worries. Um, That like doing smaller stuff is great because it, it just allows a lot of the bells and whistles to become secondary to the, to the reason that you're there, which is to Mm -hmm. tell a great story. And then, you know, trying to like, to, to build up from there sounds much more fun to me than, you know, just uh, it's really easy to dress up a show and not have actually fixed the show. And that happens so often that when you get to tech, it's like, oh, but we, the writing is still a mess or like the songs are, you know, now they're orchestrated in a way where there's just like too much on it. I can't hear the core groove and Sure. And so I've had enough of those experiences that it's become like just really important to me to make stuff that feels cohesive. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's been a real joy of this process. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like one of the development steps that's super fun to do um, as an actor, but maybe um, a little less fun to do from the other side of the table is a 29 hour development reading. Yeah. Um, Where like you have this like, this notion going into it, um, or maybe just me because I'm young and naive, but and slowly growing um, jaded. But uh, you know, you have this notion going into a 29 hour reading where you're like, okay, got a, got a killer cast, got an awesome like music director. Like we're gonna go in and we are going to learn so much about this show, and we are going to be able to like tear it apart and make changes. And then you spend 20 hours learning the music. Right. And you spend nine hours, you know, rehearsing the script and then, you know, you perform it. And really what it was about was taking the thing that you had done all of the hours before those 29 hours and putting it on its feet to see it, um, which is valuable if that's what you're going in to do. Um, but I think that what one of the things about this process that was actually really helpful was we had 29 weeks, you know, like we weren't just it, it wasn't all the time in the room, but it was working on the material constantly and editing it and um, knowing that we had an audience. So we like have to um, 
be true to the audience, but we're not on a 29 hour time crunch. We're not on a three week time crunch where we can't change it for the sake of the audience. We can be, we can make sure that our orchestrations are right. We can make sure all of these things are right and do it on, um, you know, uh, an artistically led timeline in this way that right. I think actually was weirdly true about SpongeBob. <laughs> really? I think like there was, there was this real element for SpongeBob of just like, Hey, we don't need to do this. Nickelodeon saying like, we don't, we don't need this to happen. So we're only going to do it if it's good. So let's like make it good. Um, <laughs> and that's sort of what, what edge of the world felt like too, in a way, which is mm. like, yes, we have a responsibility to the people who are going to see it. And we have a responsibility to ourselves to make it like the best version of that. But we have right. an artistic responsibility to the story to make sure that we're honing in and making sure that this concept album, which is, you know, a concept album of the show, um, tells the story in the best way possible. Right. So I don't remember exactly where that um, little no, speech no, no. started. You, but you, you did great. Hopefully Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Came around. I think <laughs> you're talking about time management in a way that is just, I think, so, so right that that's the, that's the biggest challenge about putting on a new musical is that suddenly at the beginning, you feel like you have all the time in the world and then all of a sudden you have no time. And the way that you parse and use your time over the course of it to give yourself space to let it breathe and tell you how it wants to change is so integral and so often not factored in. Um, and that, you know, I mean, it's also, it's about money and it's so hard to, to, you know, get people in the same place and, and rent space and whatever. And because the right. was deleting all of those line items from this process, suddenly it's like, Oh, well we can, we can freely get together kind of whenever, and that opened up this this world of like, okay, what what is the best version of this concept album, and where where does it get unclear, and how can we fix that, and how can we listen to it from the perspective of, you know, someone like walking down the street, you know, on Spotify, and and that you know then you know not that I want anyone to like run into a phone pole, but like <laughs> they you know that they get lost in in the song, right. And I think that's something that is just challenging about art in general is the, the line between like making it good and making it true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, where can we, where can people listen to these songs? Like you said on Spotify, but is there anywhere else? Yeah. So it'll be on Spotify, Apple music. I mean, title, I think like just all, all the, all the, all, all things on uh, <laughs> August 6th. Yes. Anywhere, anywhere you listen to music or broadwayrecords.com yep. is Amazing. a good, um, straight to it. Yep. Shout out to our label. 
Yes. Oh my God. Record label. Come on. Um, <laughs> you guys are just doing it all. Um, well, that's incredible. I'm so excited to listen to it. When it when we release this, it's actually going to be tomorrow that it releases. Oh, um, ooh, I don't tomorrow. know if that makes sense, but yeah. Um, th- so very exciting. So people will hopefully listen to it and then be like, yeah, I'll stay tuned for tomorrow. Um, and then, but like we were talking about SpongeBob, so I do want to have. I do want to talk about SpongeBob for a second. Uh. Ethan, you pu- you played the title role of SpongeBob in SpongeBob, um, but what was it like? Just to, like you said, I mean, like it's this universally known character that you have to like play every night and beloved by kids all around the world. Like, just like what was it like? First of all, because it was just so vocally <laughs> challenging, I'm sure, but also like physically challenging. I mean, you were climbing ladders and doing all kind of crazy stuff, like what just like what was that like every night <laughs> oh it was like super super fun it yeah was, it was like the most fun thing and like you know um you know during rehearsals uh gavin lee would constantly come up to me and be like do less um you're gonna regret this because it's you have to do it a lot right and i was like I'm fine you know I mean actually what really what happened was I was like I know Gavin but I can't stop like, right I I don't know how to moderate. Um, And then we got on stage and we were doing it and it was super hard and it was taxing and whatever, but it was also the thing that made it so fun to do. So Mm -hmm. I have zero regrets about making it difficult. Um, I mean, like like the two main caveats to that are like, there was a huge support system in place for me, right? Like it really takes a village to make these shows and it took a village uh, you know, we had this like incredible community backstage, on stage. Everyone was like really, just like in it together. Um, but there are like a lot of people that are that are included in that that don't necessarily get shout outs all the time. I went to PT four times a week. Oh my god! Um, you know, one of those times I was go- getting like an intense massage. I had a, a voice teacher who I worked with once a week. Like I had all of these incredible people helping me stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was obviously doing my best to um, do that as well. But anyway, the point being, I had a lot of help. I had a lot of support um, from everyone. And it was also the most fun thing in the world. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, you, were more tired than, you were more tired than I've ever seen another actor. Like, the, the day that I came to see it on Broadway, we took a car home together. And you, I mean, you were like you. You were down to chat and whatever. But, like... It was all under, I mean, this is the dumbest metaphor ever, but like you were underwater. It was was very, (laughs) very clear that like, you know, it's, it's tough when a whole thing rides on you and, and that, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like physical and, and vocal and emotional. And then just like the fact that like, you know, it's a multi-million dollar Broadway show that they, once they decided to do it, then it's happening. And like, you know, I think they really lucked out in you because a thing that I admire about you is that you have a good strength of character and that that is something that especially like a young star often, you know, it, that's that's a thing that gets challenged in a fundamental way. And we watched a lot of people over the years fall apart um, in terms of their ego because of you know, the, the exposure. And I thought, I thought you did a really good job navigating that amidst all these other things. So, you know, good on. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. 
Take a I, bow, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, with Nick, I mean, I, I mentioned before you you were like the youngest person ever to have a Broadway show that you're acting in, and of course, one that you wrote. Like, I know, I mean, Ethan can attest. Like, when you're opening a Broadway show, like it's just madness, you know, like for weeks, and uh, you had to do that basically two times as much like I just like and of course you're making rewrites and whatnot and previews and like just like how what was that like just navigating all of that I can't imagine I mean honestly like similar answer in that like it was the most fun ever and like I wouldn't change it for the world because right on some level like I, I would say and I think this is a challenge about being in theater is that so often you kind of feel under stimulated you know you, mm -hmm. you don't have a job or you have a job but it's not it's not right and you're doing it to get somewhere else and you're getting to do theater and it's fun to go to the to, to the theater and, and be on stage but like is the show good or is your role good or is the cast cool and all those things and so i was you know i was overstimulated i was stuck mm -hmm. at, like unable to moderate i am like my wife yells about yells at me about it all the time, and uh, it all started then. Um, yeah, I was you know uh, I was like running up the street from the Marquee Theater to the Circle in the Square with like paper oh my in my hand, you know, that I had like written on a break uh, from Crybaby, and and I in some ways it was it was amazing, and I was able to really like improve the show from Signature, where we did it in DC as our out of town tryout for Glory Days. Um, and then in some ways, like I, I, I realized why, you know, people focus on one thing at a time, uh, right. because I, I think there, there is a, there's just, we don't get that many shots, you know, and that was an amazing shot. And it, it was a crash course in this business and a crash course in craft. And I also had an amazing support system. And the day after Glory Days closed, I went back to Crybaby to do a matinee. And my whole dressing room station was covered in like notes and letters from people that I'd never met in the community who'd like dropped off just like good on you kind of. And oh. it was really lovely. And it, it sort of reminded me like, this is a very rarefied special thing that we get to do. And like, mm -hmm. I want to do it for the rest of my life. And I'm not, whatever rush I was in to get there, I feel like I let me be a uniquely... Uh, a unique window into for the people listening that like it, the the rush to get there is is not the point like we have this feeling of like i got to do it now i got to do it now and like yes we have limited time on earth and we have ideas that we want to see come to fruition and all that's true but like what i learned in that moment uh, of doing those two things was that like I, I actually deprived both experiences a little bit of my full self Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad now and this pandemic has been, you know, both like crushingly sad and also kind of a joy because I'm moving slower and I'm getting to do a lot of stuff because I have more time in the day. Um, but it's, it is, you know, it is a fascinating thing to sort of catch up with your dreams and like my dreams came true in that moment and now it's right. okay. So what's the new dream? And like, what is what is the point of the dreams that you have? You know, how can you use them to to uh, you know create opportunities for other people? And and in a lot of ways, like Glory Days was that it was the first time that I realized what a 
what an opportunity it is as a writer to like help build a room, you know, and like the mm. guys who did Glory Days, James and and Steve uh, and Jesse Johnson and Adam Halpin, Alex Brightman, um, Andrew Call, like who was also in Found, mentioned him earlier. Uh, yeah. Those are like my brothers, you know, and so that's that's another thing is that you're you're picking up barnacles along the way, but <laughs> underwater images is just. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you pick up these people along the way and you build your community. And, and so that really started then. And, and now it's just about like keeping your community and, and continuing to right. make stuff. And, and I met uh, Lily on, um, on SpongeBob with Ethan and we all became like fast pals. And I did a reading with Norbert and, you know, was like able to see like, oh, right. You know, this is to talk about a guy who's been doing it for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. the original cast of rent and like, uh, you know, is, is able to like make space in his self-estimation for two guys like us and hop on to hit a show of ours just for the fun of it really. Um, mm -hmm. that like reframes a lot of those, you know, like it's, I gotta be, I gotta have a Tony, I gotta have a gazillion dollars. Like those dreams get reframed when you realize like what I'm really doing it for is like making the thing and making it as good as it possibly can mm -hmm. be. Right. Wow. Oh my God. This is like a masterclass right now. Oh, I'm, like, I'm like reeling it. This is amazing. Okay. And Ethan, one last thing before we like, ha before I let you go, I mean, I've taken enough of your time, but I do want to ask um, you before COVID shut down, I'm, I'm friends with Zell Morrow and Judy Kuhn and all of those yeah. lovely people. Um, they, you, we're going to be appearing in Assassins with them at Off Broadway um, before this whole lovely uh, mess that we've got ourselves into now. Um, but blessing in disguise for you guys and for so many other people as well. Um, you were going to be an assassin. So tell me, like, how excited are you to be returning to the stage? And like, what was that like initial like, oh, I'm going to be performing and whatnot. And then they all got shut down. Like, just walk me through it all. Yeah, I mean, we had two weeks of rehearsal before we got shut down, and mm -hmm. those two weeks were just absolutely outrageous. They were so fun. I mean, the first day walking, like, you know, talk about walking into a room and just being, like, overwhelmed by <laughs> right. like, these artists that you've, like, seen on stage a million times. Um, Stars. Uh, J Judy is, like, a, a legend from my high school also. Oh, really? So, like, I've, she went to my high school. Whoa. Oh, my God. So what I've, like, I've room. been, like, I've, like, not only been a fan of hers, but I've been, like, I can't like I hope that there's a reason for us to meet kind of fan of her you know what I mean um so like it, it was just like an amazing experience and working with John Doyle is like another person who you know watching um Sweeney Todd and watching you know really honestly watching company on PBS mm -hmm. uh was like this huge moment for me in terms of like my love of theater and yeah. my love of music and theater and how it works together so getting to work with him like um was has been for those two weeks was like so eye-opening and beautiful to see like how organically this thing grows like he's so um sort of chill in this way about the fact that like you know i'm playing guitar in the show for almost the whole show and that's so overwhelming because it's sondheim music and like right. you know sondheim's like listening to me like do my best to play his weird time signatures <laughs> and, um you know, so, so all of it was stuff. like very intimidating, but there was like a real love about it and a real like, you know, 
John being like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is going to be impossible for the first couple of weeks of rehearsal because you're doing four things at once when you're used right. to only doing three things at once. So um, just like, you know, mess up. It's right. cool. We're going to find cool stuff when you mess up. Um, so that was just like so amazing. Obviously having to shut down was, was pretty heartbreaking um, for everyone losing their their work and losing like it, it was all heartbreaking for a million reasons. Um, yeah. and this was something that I'd been so deeply looking forward to. So the fact that we're going to come back and be able to do it, mm -hmm. uh, is pretty Was there special. a time where like it, it was kind of up in the air? Was it always a plan to return? They, they classic stage was awesome and adamant that if they were able to return, we would be coming back to Got the it. show. But, you know, the, the financial hardships of being a nonprofit theater um, without an audience is right. like, you know, brutal. It, we weren't like no one was really sure what was going to happen. And no, still, we're not sure what's going to happen. Like it's not um, there. We haven't had the triumphant comeback yet. Um, mm -hmm. Or like, I don't know if comeback is the right word, but, um, you know, <laughs> comeback changed and different and better. Right. Um, yeah. But like, you know, that that's hopefully that's that's what's going to happen. And that's the work that's happening. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe on August 5th, um, everything will be different. But, uh, you know, right. Yeah. Now, um, right. So, yeah, there, there was always a little bit of uncertainty. Um, but their commitment to it was always pretty heartwarming and, and helpful. And uh, I, I, I just can't wait to do it. Yeah, I can't wait to be on stage. I can't wait to see those people again in person. Well, I'm sure I, I know myself included, and I'm sure people at home listening to this are very excited to see you back on stage, see, listen to uh, Edge of the World, and of course, just like keep up with all the things that you two are doing. You guys are doing such amazing work, and it's inspiring so many people. And I can't thank you enough for joining us, joining me today, and of course, the people at home. Um, before I head out, if, uh, if you guys can let everyone know like your social media handles so that they can keep up with everything Edge of the World and of course what you guys are up to, please do so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my my uh, socials are Blameire, B-L-A-E-M-I-R-E on Instagram and then Nick Blameire on Twitter. And you're going to see a lot of stuff there uh, for a show called Space Dogs that I'm writing that I'm also in that is going to be playing at MCC at the same oh, time oh on God. Broadway as Ethan's show. <laughs> so we're never going to see each other. But uh, oh, please, oh my God. come see us. You're writing and starring in this show? Yeah, yeah. So You're writing two shows at once? Oh, yeah. We're writing lots of stuff. Two? Oh, my God. Only two? Only two? Oh, my God. I cannot imagine. Oh, it's so fun. Um, I'm, so, I'm so stoked about Space Dogs. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be cool. And, you know, if you if you uh, come to either of our shows, you know, listen to Edge of the World on the way there. And it'll be like, oh, yes. five from afar. <laughs> exactly. What about you, Ethan? Um, I'm on Instagram at Ethan Slater, and I'm on Twitter at Ethan S.A. Slater, um, which it, it doesn't mean Ethan's a Slater, though you can go for yes. it. True. <laughs> yes, Ethan it does. Is a Slater. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, that's where I am. And, yeah, there's going to be Edge of the World stuff there. I, I don't know. I guess we've already plugged Assassins. Right. Like, I'm pretty stoked about it. And so uh, there's also, like, an amazing overlap there getting to work on assassins which is like an actor musician show and edge of the mm. world where you know i 
you know, I was playing the music, I'm playing it on guitar. And so like, there's, there's a real, like a learning, another, um, you know, writer, actor, learning symbiosis thing. Um, I love it. You were in training. You were in training for assassins while you were recording edge of the world. Like you're primed and ready to get back to it. Ain't that the truth? Look at these calluses. There you go. <laughs> and you were doing it in SpongeBob at the end there too. I mean, you, oh, you're yeah. a pro at that. Come on. Oh, oh my the god. Yukon stage. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I cannot thank you both enough. I mean, this has just been an honor to talk to you guys and you. to see just w- what you guys are all up to. So, Space Dogs. Everyone, look out for Space Dogs, Assassins, and of course edge of the world which will be coming out tomorrow um stay tuned very exciting and uh, there you have it folks take a bow ethan slater and nick blameyer thank you oh, both ow, for oh, coming the, oh my god oh, oh my god sorry, <laughs> sorry there's been a late a late applause it's a tough crowd out there i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> claps. yes snap snap yeah of course thank you guys take a bow ethan slater and nick blameyer oh my goodness Come on, y'all. Edge of the World is coming out tomorrow. You need to listen to it. I swear to God, I'm not going to tell you anything that's going on this week because all of your focus should be on Edge of the World because some of these songs, I've got a little sneak peek of them. Some of these songs are just absolutely amazing, just beautiful. They're Okay, first of all, I mean, you, sh- you, know, you should know that they're going to be beautiful, right? Ethan Slater and Nick Blameyer wrote them. But, of course, look who's singing them. Ethan Slater, Norbert Leo Butts, Lily Cooper, Nick Blameyer. I mean, come on. It's just, it's going to be amazing. And I could not be more excited for this album. And I hope, hope that something uh, more comes of it. And we see it on a stage soon enough. It's going to be so good. I love that all of these shows who are kind of like trying to like make it on Broadway or kind of making uh, some concept albums. You know, we had In the Light last week with Antonio Cipriano and Jeremy Jordan and all these people. And now we got Edge of the World. So uh, it's very interesting and a very uh, tactical way to see uh, if a show could get fast tracked maybe and go on Broadway. So it's a, I'm curious to see how it all works and see if it is something that will actually be effective and maybe a new trend in uh, the this uh, industry. But I don't know. We will. I guess we'll find out soon enough, won't we? Uh, but come on, Ethan Slater, Nick Blameyer, two uh, award nominated actors, uh, and Ethan Slater was a winner, of course. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just the writing process and how they were able to handle everything virtually. I mean, it just, it goes, it speaks for itself, right? I mean, everyone's been having some challenges during these times and trying to work virtually, but creating a whole album then virtually with writing and then producing and then singing like it's just it's mind-blowing and to see what these guys have been doing and for them taking their time to talk to me to help promote this and everything like that it was just a it, it was amazing it was an amazing feeling and it was amazing interview an amazing time to talk to them uh <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm very excited. I, I don't know. The whole Lily Cooper story with her character and about being pregnant and then her helping them. It's just, it seemed like everything for this was just perfectly timed, even though it wasn't like planned or anything like that. Like, I'm just really excited. And uh, yeah, 
I think it's going to be something really, really great and something really, really magical and special. So go check out Edge of the World. I loved, I love talking to Ethan about SpongeBob and what some of those memories were like, and of course, Assassins. And then, of course, Nick, who was the youngest person to have a show that he wrote on Broadway, but also he was starring in a completely different show called Crybaby, which is one of the more popular shows of that time. Even though it had like a short stint, it was like, it, it's now been more and more talked about. And I don't know, it was just, it was wonderful, wonderful to hear all about it and just to hear their journeys and experiences. And I think that they're very relatable. Everything that they talked about in this episode was something very relatable. And I think that's why it stuck with me so much um, as far as just learning everything and just being able to process everything that they were saying and really, really learn from it just because you could be like, oh, well, something like that happened to me or, oh, I understand what this means because I had this. And so it, they just kept it really real with me and I, I couldn't be more appreciative of that. And uh, I think it made for a great episode. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all learned from it. And uh, I, I know I definitely did. And we have some more wonderful episodes coming up in the future. So thank you all for listening to this week's episode. And I hope I hope to see you all next week. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you have not, if you are not a Patreon supporter, please go to Patreon and look into it because we have some really cool things going on and some cool things to offer, uh, merchandise and everything, uh, a chance to work closer with Take a Bow, myself and everyone involved, um, and just so much more. So go check out Patreon, go check out Edge of the World, go check it all out. Go check out takeabowpod.com for merchandise. Also, the Patreon's uh, linked to the website as well. So if you can't, just go check it all out. Check out the Take About Podcast social media. Check it all out. Have some fun, why don't you? And subscribe to the podcast if you want to. It's completely free on whatever uh, on whatever application you're listening to this on right now. So do yourselves a favor and uh, have some fun. And I cannot wait to uh, meet everyone at these shows. And uh, very exciting to just have Broadway back in our lives y'all it's I know it's a week away but this this energy that I'm giving right now it's gonna be like this for the whole month okay because Broadway's coming back and it deserves it and we should all be excited and hopefully we'll get a little normalcy and hopefully it works out well so thank you again for listening to this week's episode and I hope to see you all next week bye everyone for this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash TAB. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.